So how, on God's gray earth, did this? Oh, I like the way you shake that thing. Watch honey drip, I can't keep away. And this. The bellboy's always crying. The ladies dressed in black. They've been so long alone. You see, they'll never, never, never come back. And even this. Become this. the podcast where we take a closer look at that one album and an artist discography that sticks out like a sore thumb. It may be their best album and it may be their worst album, but either way, it's that one album where the artist was so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. This week on the panel, we have Logan Renard. Matthew Marr. My name's Scott Livingston. Uh, just a reminder, we're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and the Internet. So check us out. Rock on. And um, this week we are going to be discussing It's Not Unusual by Dred Zeppelin. So, um, Dred Zeppelin. Yeah, Dred Zeppelin. You know, some bands have a sound that's kind of ambiguous or vague or nebulous and hard to describe. Not Dread Zeppelin. Yeah, well, well, uh, self-described uh, Dread yeah. Zeppelin is is um, uh, Led Zeppelin music played in a reggae style with um, an Elvis impersonator. Yes, and, and it sounds like what that description conjures in your mind. It's a very accurate description. Yeah. If I might, if I might uh, say something too, is that I think they're uh, uh, you know a comment about Dread Zeppelin. You know, they are they are in you know most respects a novelty act, a novelty yeah. band, but they're also quite talented musicians. Uh, back back in the, um, I remember when I was first learning to play guitar. You know, these were the days when there was no internet. There was, um, there were no CDs. Yes. yes. There was, uh, you know, there was very little except uh, uh, records. You know, records, LPs, and you lift the needle up and you go back and listen to phrases over and over again. And I was trying to learn uh, Led Zeppelin tunes as a beginning guitar player, and it never worked out very well. You know, I sussed out a few. Uh, a you few, got stairway, and that was about it. Right? Yeah, the first you know first few measures of of probably twenty different Led Zeppelin songs. But but uh, that said, when I heard this, you know, I, I was I was quite a bit older by that time. <clears> but when I heard the first Dred Zeppelin album, I was I was a bit 
um, aghast at how well they played Zeppelin tunes, even though they were reggaeing them up. If, they were just fantastically adept. If at, you've uh, ever seen like a wedding band play, uh, I mean, in, uh, there are better wedding bands, of course, but yes. your your average cover band playing uh, Led Zeppelin tunes, even some of the super well known ones, um, they leave a lot out. There's a lot of a lot of details that get smoothed out when ellipsed. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, these guys do a great job uh, featuring the details that are right, all, all, not right, not yeah. just nailing them, but like they're in in a almost uh, a dubby sort of way. They've brought some of the the uh, mellower details to the to the forefront. Right. And if, and if you were if you're someone like me who listened to a lot of Led Zeppelin in my youth, right, a lot of those details were sort of etched in my mind. And that's what made this all the better. And yeah. it's like they were they were, uh, you know, I guess they're, you know, they, it is a novelty. It is funny. It is a joke. But at the same time, it's clear that they they were students of Zeppelin or at least uh, their guitar players were. And it uh, it, um, you know. It made for in you know that first album anyway when it first came out it made for a great listen and and I wasn't alone it was um, it was a hit yeah no I and the thing is I bought the first two albums and I knew zilch about Led Zeppelin in fact to this day have not listened to an entire Led Zeppelin album never deliberately put on a Led Zeppelin song and only know the stuff that gets played on the radio I still played the hell out of those first two Led Zeppelin albums or Dread Zeppelin albums because. I thought it was funny, even though I probably didn't get the joke because I didn't know any of these songs. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, they stand on their own even, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they must be good songs, so maybe I will <laughs> dig the band someday. But for now, they will always seem like, you know, just a boring, non-reggae version of Dread Zeppelin to me. And I and I also remember way back when did that come out? Like in the late 80s or early 90s or something? Yeah, it was something? like 90, I think. But um, they... um. Uh, you know that, that because it was a hit. You know, there's lots of press about it, and they're they're asking the people, "Well, how did you get the rights to these songs?" And they said, "Well, the Zeppelin people were great," which I thought was really cool. They had no problem. Go ahead and cover our songs, yeah. right? You know, take the piss out of us, no problem. And uh, but I guess the the people that gave them the most trouble were the Elvis people. Yeah, um, which is um, um, well, that says something. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, uh, you know, but anyway, the record was able to come out. You, yeah. you can't peel that Elvis onion yeah. <laughs> too, too, too far before it gets real stinky. So oh, yeah. Yeah. There's some, I, some, I maybe don't blame the Elvis estate for trying to, well, you know, but, but when you go to, when you go to uh, Las Vegas, you know, you just walk down the strip and you, you, it's hard not to step over an Elvis impersonator. You know, there's Elvi everywhere. You wouldn't think that that would be such a, a taboo At least there thing, used to be. I think this is a, the Elvis impersonator phenomenon, I think has sort of passed. Yeah, as, that's right. Yeah. As the only people who were, you know, teenagers during Elvis's heyday are now dead. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, sadly, I mean, there, I remember as a kid, you'd go to like, you know, Macy's or Kohl's or whatever. And amongst the millions of Christmas ornaments you could buy, there was always a, you know, a, a end cap full of like pink Cadillacs and hound dogs and all your Elvis stuff. And I don't think that's a thing anymore. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's kind of interesting. Elvis, the phenomenon has. Um, yeah, has passed. I think we may have seen the end of Elvis, which, you know. Mojo Nixon will be disappointed, but 
Michael J. Fox <laughs> finally has triumphed. <laughs> but we're talking about the first two albums, and this podcast is going to focus on the third album entitled It's Not Unusual. This is the album where they um, didn't do Led Zeppelin songs and didn't have an Elvis impersonator. So like two thirds of the things that Dread Zeppelin is known for is gone. So, yeah, they, they didn't do Led Zeppelin songs or did they? Well, they weren't solely focused on them. I mean, the Dread Zeppelin's put out like 12 or 13 albums now and Led Zeppelin only put out like four. So they're going to run out of material eventually. Yeah. I think they had seven, but still. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were not as prolific as some bands. No, so no, they, not at all. Um, I mean, even on the second album, they were like doing clam bake and writing the originals to try and fill it up because they're, yeah, they're running out of Led Zeppelin songs. I, I really appreciated the Easter eggs in this one, even though it is not primarily the, the Zeppelin style. There are, I mean, that's what I'd call them. Yeah. Qu quotes. Um, and they're, they're sprinkled throughout. Um, I guess there's a couple songs that don't really have any ham-fisted ones. Well, it'll be it'll like, be fun to you know as we listen to these to see see which ones we can identify. Yeah, yeah. but I think you know <clears throat> because they had lost their original lead singer, or Elvis, and the Zeppelin. This you know they were assigned to IRS. They were doing really well for you know a cover band, and this album bombed super hardcore, and the band pretty much broke up, and you know were dropped from their major label and. I mean, they've reunited and they go out and they're doing well as a little cult act, but they never had quite the same success again. Yeah. So what, what did happen to Tort Elvis? Why is he not on this album? Well, he apparently started recording a few of the songs, but he was not in a, as Wikipedia put it, a emotional state for it. I think he was going through some uh, drug issues, so... He was playing the Elvis part a little too well, I think. I had a nervous breakdown. Yeah, yeah, so... And also, like, the main guitarist, Ed Zeppelin, left, as did the uh, drummer, Cheese, who had replaced Fresh Cheese. So that's why there's a lot of um, drum machines on this record. Yeah. And then did the drum machine, doesn't it have a name, too? Everything has a name. The, the bass player is named Putmon, and he got, like, much like Phil Collins in Genesis, volunteered against his will into the role of the new lead singer. And I can't tell if he's trying to do an Elvis and doing it badly, or that's just how he sings. And it's not a character. Pick a lane, man. Yeah. yeah. It was, <laughs> I was going to say, and he changed his name from Putmon to Gary Bibb. And there's a whole song about Bibb on here that, you know, there's a lot of pseudonyms and backstory and folklore and universe building around this. Uh, I, band. I, I want to be Maurice Bibb. Maurice Bibb, yes. Well, the, there's a lot of Gibb brothers on here, so maybe that's where the Bibb came from. But, um, yeah, I tried to find photos of the band in this incarnation to see if he was dressed like Elvis or not, and I could not find any photos. I mean, even the cover, I can't tell who's doing what or what they're supposed to look like. Yeah, so the, uh, the original drummer, Fresh Cheese. Yes. And then Cheese, and then with the drum machine, it's Velveeta. Okay, so it's a fake cheese. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. And um, I can't believe it's not Popman. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Apparently the Sparks, um, recently documented in that documentary, are, were originally uh, signed on to uh, produce this album. Hmm. And, in fact, originally this was going to be a rock opera called Albert about a 
rock critic who wanted to become a rock singer based loosely on Albert Grossman or something. So, huh? I wonder what happened with that. that yeah. Uh, well, those, again, uh, for a cover band, you're writing a whole original. I'm not sure this would have been any better, but it would have been also equally different. If your intentions outru- aren't outrunning your execution by just a little, then you're not, you know, trying very hard. <laughs> you got to push yourself. <laughs> no, it's Albert Goldman, not Albert Grossman. The yeah, two slightly Al- different people. Albert Goldman. Yeah. yeah. The one who wrote that uh, John Lennon biography that got all the people's angried. Mm. But, so yeah, uh, this album is titled It's Not Unusual, which is unusual because the song It's Not Unusual <clears throat> does not appear on it, even though it was recorded for it. And and the album is indeed unusual. Yes. I mean, it was originally going to be called Groovy Booty Bomb, but they retitled it for a song that they took off the album. Hmm. They also were going to do Brick Houses of the Holy, but Lionel <laughs> Richie wouldn't give them the rights. So yeah, Brick Houses of the Holy. That, I think it did come out eventually on one of the later albums. Oh, but. yeah. That's, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's like, you know, why would Lionel Richie be so stuck up? I don't, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe money had something to do with it. Well, yes. Is it you he's looking for? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. And apparently they also wrote a song called Do the Claw Again, which was a sequel to the song Do the Claw, but uh, apparently sounded too much like Do the Twist Again. And so right, they right. couldn't yeah. put that one on. But well, I'm sure that's what the joke was. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But, you know, yeah. that's always the thing is... As much of a joke as Dread Zeppelin is, they never played it for laughs. They always took it very seriously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, ridiculous, but seriously. One hundred stories high. People get loose, y'all. They're getting down on the roof. Folks are screaming out of control. This album brought to you by Mesa Engineering and DiMarzio Pickups. <laughs> burn, but the baby burn. Okay, so so we gotta know what was the Led Zeppelin song quoted at the top of the song? I know they threw in cashmere towards the end, but I don't yeah, know. There's, the... a, there's a little snippet of cashmere towards the end. The beginning was Achilles' Last Stand off of uh, the, the Led Zeppelin classic album Presence. Yeah, see, all just way over my head. So it's all just like hobbits and yeah, yeah. <laughs> wizards, and dragons, and shit, man. Oh, how they danced in Stonehenge. Well, well, you know, you get to Achilles' last stand. We're now into Greek mythology, so we, we yeah. you know, by then they matured out of the Tolkien stuff and were into. You know. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> they also throw in a bit of the vicious circle or in the ghetto. Yeah. Matt Davis in there. Is that one in this? Yeah, towards the end, he towards does end, quite yeah. a bit. This is a really long song. <laughs> yeah, it's like almost seven minutes. I'm, you not, know. I'm not sure if this is lazy or as you, you were just talking about them always playing it straight, really doubling down on the disco. Yeah. Well, that's just it. Why did they choose to do disco instead of Zeppelin? I mean, they have another album a couple of years later where they do other like 70s rock classics that's... 
Well, it's not exclusively disco. No, they certainly don't commit but 100%. You know, yeah. If you think about it, though, both of those, both Zeppelin and disco were gigantic 70s phenomenons. So. As was the the bloated Elvis Elvis impersonator thing. Right, right. It, so yeah. I think, you know, we've talked a lot about how the 70s looked at the 50s. But this might be a chance to talk about how the 90s looked at the at 70s. 70s, yeah, yeah. I think the the 80s and 90s really hated the 70s for a long time, sort of blaming it for destroying the 60s and not letting us all have hippie peace, love, power forever. Right, and now now that that is flipped once again. That, that has, uh, and I think a lot of it comes from you know stuff like Dazed and Confused in that 70s show because there was a time when the only thing you knew about the 70s was bell bottoms, disco, and Nixon. Right, I mean, that was yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, if you've yeah. ever seen that movie Spirit of 76, directed by Carl Reiner's grandson or something, that's what you thought the 70s were until, you know, later when you realize, oh, yeah, there was still rock and there was still other stuff going on. But. Oh, yeah. And a lot of uh, a lot of, you know, well, you know, I think like any decade, a lot of crappy music, but a lot of really good music. And also um, it's when um, recording rock music really came um, of age, I guess. It kind of got um perfected yes. you know, to a level and people often look to that that um you know um period for when when um records sounded the best yeah it's also um, the seven i mean mid 70s on is like heavy duty rock bands are selling out stadiums for right. multiple that the the who and some other bands had throughout the tail end of the 60s and early 70s really perfected what we would call later uh, uh, corporate rock arena rock yeah you know just big production oh, values yeah. uh every bit of it constructed to play to a massive live audience with fireworks and spectacle and yeah. playing um, in sports arenas across the country a, yeah like a, a a touring broadway show designed to go on in a especially if you saw the kinks <laughs> you know, soccer yeah, yeah. Stadium, you know. well right yeah like uh, you had right you had um um you know, you mentioned the who there was, um, um, you know, Emerson, Lake and Palmer were doing crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, of course, Pink Floyd with the wall, right. Where yeah. they, where they, uh, you know, Steely strangely Dan. built a wall between themselves and the kiss. audience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kiss. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. Well, you know. and you know, times have also changed. There was once a period where everyone, you know, almost unanimously agreed that disco sucked and it was the most horrible, worst music ever made by mankind. And that has definitely softened in the last 10, 20, 30 years. Well, it's the, a lot of the main purveyors of, uh, of the disco sucks thing, um, have more recently been revealed to be incredibly racist in their motivations. Yeah. So there's, and, and if not, if not overtly, then unconsciously, it's, I'm not, it's yeah, there. I'm not, I'm not saying sure. you have to love disco and that it's all great, but I'll, if you, if you look at the, the disco demolition thing and a lot of the, the radio DJs that, you know, really took the piss out of disco when it was at its height. It, it's not too hard to find out that a lot of them were uh, freaked out by its uh, blackness and association with, with queer culture and yeah. just alternative, if any, anything not mainstream and they were freaked out by right. it, like really, well, and then, really scared yeah. and bothered by it. And so absolutely so, no, but there was also, there was also, you know, the, the, uh, the, the hugeness of um, Saturday night fever and the, uh, yeah. the craze over the, the uh, Bee Gees 
And then, you know, the subsequent career of Andy Gibb as well. You know, I think there was a lot of um, just sort of backlash from... I think from the rock saturation. And, well, yeah, yeah. Well, was, the were, market was oversaturated. There was and they also just, backlash know, just from uh, jumped back at it. You know, uh, uh, musicians of of all kinds. Because I mean, we're still you know, you clubs still had a band play. For oh people yeah, to dance yeah, that was to. a big thing. Yeah, and while disco, the musical genre didn't isn't the primary threat to this. Uh, DJs and being able to just play records for hours and hours and hours, and a club being able to play, you know, pay one guy for the night. Instead of ten guys, you know. Um, oh, in that sense, disco was, is back at bigger than it's ever been. You yeah. know, was I mean, was, was have, a threat um, to a lot of, of performing musicians who saw their jobs going out the window. Absolutely. Um, and the, just the disco music was kind of you know some of the it's like the tempos are perfectly danceable. The song starts with the chorus. It's yeah. really predictable. And it has a run out that you know the DJ can fade into another song or just let play you know, forever if he's got two copies of it. And, yeah. you know, that I, I understand. Um, I mean, in my musical lifetime, you know, I've lived through some, Hey, there's not a band. It's just some asshole with a laptop or an iPad yeah. or something. What the, what the hell is this kind of, you know, reaction. And there's, you know, there's arguments on both sides and sure. inevitably that those technological things, can't be stopped and are going to yeah. happen, you know, whether well, um, you like it or not. But the fact that the musical genre was roped into that is, is a little bit, usually those motivations were cultural. Oh yeah. Well, there's, there's definitely, you know, I think you really hit on something too, is that I remember my, my brother had a bumper sticker on his, on his car that said, support live music, stamp out discos. Right. And that was clearly that was clearly not. Um, well, he probably hated disco music, too, but it was it was aimed more at the phenomenon of, yeah. of discotheques. Right. Yeah. Right. But what I was saying is that they won. I mean, yeah. the discotheques won. I yeah. mean, you, you know, at Red Rocks, you'll have shows that it's just a DJ and lights. Yeah. Right. That'll be more popular than than live musicians playing. Right. So yeah. so you can hate disco all you want, but it, um, um, you know, it won, yeah. right? And, and you know, but that particular style of music from the 70s, that was, you know, you, you was despised as well. And what is Dred Zeppelin doing here? Is it, is it, they, are they trying to revive it? Do they really love it? Or is it just something uh, I, That's the thing you know? is, you know, you could tell they really loved Led Zeppelin. That was yeah, part yeah. of how they pulled that off. But, you know, in 1992, especially, disco was seen as like a lame duck punching bag punchline. So they aren't taking this very seriously. And yeah, I think with, that's part of why this album doesn't, you know, feel as good as, you know, the first two Dread Zeppelin yeah. albums. Well, it's, this album's not very disco. Like it has no. a couple of great moments, but if they'd leaned into it the way they lean into their Jamaican music shtick, this could have been awesome. I also a hundred percent agree with you, Scott, on the, 1990 people were not ready for a hard on sleeve. We love disco interpretation, I mean, you know, like this, that, this thing would be legendary now if they had gone hardcore into here's our, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, Bee Gees style disco thing. Here's our, uh, you know, uh, a tallow disco style yeah. thing. Here's our, you know, like, well, the Foo Fighters just put out that DGs album, and there's that documentary. So yes, the the Bee Gees are having a bit of a resurgence now, but you know, 
at the time, not so much. Yeah, pe- people hate this shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even no. even they were they were you know they were they really weren't a disco band. They just had a huge disco hit, yes. you know, hit record with the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Right? They were more of a a vocal harmony act from the yeah they were you know, they were around for a lot right longer from than the sixties yeah. yeah. and you know, popular yeah, culture yeah. remembers. They're yeah. just a pop group and right, yeah. right. But 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 so that's something that I think we should probably see if we can suss out from this album is is you know it's pretty clear you know from the earlier stuff okay it's led zeppelin led zeppelin played in a reggae style with an elvis impersonator right yes so so we got this is that most of not all but most of these songs are disco songs yes but what is the style in which they're playing them it it i mean they're clearly a reggae band but i don't think they're leaning into it i almost wish they had gone you know just 180 on everything done it all in like a polka style with a Fred Schneider impersonator right. or something. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to change it, you might as well, you know, do something completely different. And instead, this feels like they sort of half-assed it, and I'm disappointed. Yeah, I wonder. Um, uh, do we? Uh, um, you know, maybe we'll know more as it goes on. Would this? Would this have been better with with Tor Elvis? He did sing a couple of tracks, and they have leaked out and. It would have helped, but I not a lot. From from what I read on this, it does seem like they started making a di- like this wasn't the concept from the jump. No, this is what and, they ended up with maybe, after everyone Maybe quit. some of the continuity in this isn't great because they they had to change course. Yeah, you know, to deal with with Tortelvis leaving or just yeah, they didn't have a really clear idea what they were doing in the first place and had to rally to deliver a completed thing well let's let's move on to the uh next song the first of like four or five bg's cuts on here it's a you should be dancing See, this is the one that it sounds most like this Putman slash Gary Bibb is trying to be the younger version of Elvis, which he either should have gone all the way or not gone in at all, because it just reminds yeah. you of Tord Elvis and you wish he was there. It's just not as, as good, right? So so first, uh, what was the Led Zeppelin song they quoted in, in prominently at the start of this song? Whatever that song is Yes, the immigrant song ah, from, there you from come. Led Zeppelin 3, right? And then the other thing is, I have to ask this question. When did um, Pearl Jam's 10 come out? You I think know? it was about the same year, 92, something like that. Because there's a riff in here that gets repeated regularly. It could be coincidence because it's just, you know, like a chord change, yeah. right? Right, but it sounds very reminiscent of Pearl Jam's Jeremy. And I wonder if they were just, you know, I wonder if this came out after, if they were just poking fun at Pearl Jam, or if it was just sort of a floating around in the ether at that time. Uh, yeah, yeah, or yeah. maybe this came out first, and Pearl Jam's been ripping off Dred Zeppelin all these years, which... <laughs> I'd like to think quite that. Quite conceivable. <laughs> it, makes, yeah. it is quite possible. I, you know, <laughs> makes me happy to, to imagine that, but yeah. I was listening to this and thinking, man, this song would kick ass as like a metal song. Oh yeah, yeah. You should be dancing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Slayer does. Yeah. Does uh, But you know, Vegas. again, it's it's not full reggae, but it's very 
light. It's, it's a rocker's style. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's like very, uh, you know, it's, uh, well, it's, it's the style of, I think Carl jaw, you know, one of the guitar players, yeah. right? I think it's his style of, um, uh, it's just very, uh, like you said, it's, you know, the, it's the, it's the Mesa boogie, right? Right. It's the, uh, it's, you know, very crunchy, very yeah. sustained, so, you know, heaviness. And, and I think it sounds really good, but I wouldn't say that it's, um, there, there's no attempt here to sound like, say, a, a you know, a seventies reggae yeah. um, guitar player. No. Or seventies uh, he, disco. Really good, I mean, player. he's really good. Uh, Rhythmic, like stylistically, yeah. it's great, but the tone is and the equipment is very, you know, like Brad and Sublime played those fucking triple rectifiers at yeah, the yeah, same so. time, and it's just like stood out like crazy. I mean, and speaking of that, uh, um, you, you know, in good old nineteen ninety whatever, yeah. Um, so yeah, this is this is like a rocker style reggae song, or right, whatever you right. want to call it. I like always have to yeah, disclaimer yeah, yeah. when I say reggae, I mean. Uh, uh, Jamaican music post Island Bob Marley right, well, on the, as a, uh, the, a catch-all. It's it's pretty lazy. It's like calling all of rock and roll new metal for well, some reason. Well, but. right. I mean, reggae reggae has be, has become in in the uh, the the you know the popular gen- vernacular. Right, the popular vernacular just means you know sort of that that um, upstrokes right that off, that offbeat yeah, you know, yeah. rhythm you know and with without regard to you know but in, specific in, in style. traditional Jamaican music this is a rocker's beat and tempo. Um, and it, I mentioned that because bands like Sublime and 311 and some of the other, which came out uh, around this, around this time, that was kind of the, 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 uh, foundational, uh, drum and bass kind of thing that got latched onto by the, those guys. And it's called a rocker style because it's a little bit more two and four. It's easier for white people to handle. It's easier for white people to handle. It's it's a little more upbeat too, isn't it? It's Um, the tempo is more upbeat. The bass usually kind of does a driving eighth note kind of thing that's not very dissimilar from you know acdc chugging eighth notes kind of stuff which we know from acdc is terribly effective and you don't really have to be able to play a decent one drop uh to play a rocker's beat so like a a, a your average rock and roll drummer can kind of busy up the hi-hat and and get there um and so it was um, employed uh, a lot in yeah. the nineties, well, and, and, uh, um, and sometimes you know, in this case, like Purdy Faith, like they're getting it. Yeah, like the, yeah. You know, this is not super duper, you know, faithful Jamaican music, but the the constituent parts are all present. Well, and that's what that's what I appreciate. You know, uh, musically, I think the most about Dread Zeppelin is <laughs> is that that they are able to. Um, at the same time, they're able to show musical appreciation for styles, but yet not mimic in in a in a sort of um, you know a slavish this? or or a half-assed way, right? Yeah. It's like they're they're bringing their own thing to it. It's like you would not expect um, you would not expect you know a bunch of rockers to to um, you know play reggae versions of Led Zeppelin. It's just not. It's just not right, kind of right. normal, right? Right. But uh, but it, it, but it's interesting that you mentioned those other bands like Sublime and that. It's like you know. So apparently, a lot of bands were doing this. I, I think that that um, and and no offense to those bands. I think in, in perhaps a slightly ironic way, I think Dread, Dread Zeppelin were more more authentic in what they were doing. I yeah, I would agree. Yeah. In, in but they're also kind of cop. You know, Sublime cops. Uh, uh, you know, like 
more dance hall-y kind of, you know, Barrington Levy kind of, kind of stuff. And they do that pretty well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, that's like, the, yeah, they the, had fun records. I, I can't believe we made it two songs in without Ween coming up. But in the in the same way that you know when Ween is par- doing a parody, a caricature of a musical Bananas style, blow, yes. yeah, they they accidentally write a really good country song or a really good you know calypso song because well, in order to make fun of it in uh, a clever way, you you do need to have a, a foundational understanding of how. Yeah. You know, of how it works. And, and it's, that's always kind of fun. Cause you get, you get some weird interpretations, it, you know, just, you know, you're trying to kind of take the piss out of a style of music or something and you've accidentally done it really well. Yeah. 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 Know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a bit like, of a, bit of a paradox. Yeah. yeah but, yeah. uh, yeah, they, I like this one. Well, and you know, and, uh, and not to be overly daft, Good, good music is more fun to listen to. Yes. Right? I so, mean, so, I mean, if it's done well, right, it's, you know, you, you definitely... I uh, think there's a curve. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think there's a curve. I think I, there might be a threshold where, yeah, yeah, where yeah. it gets good again. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, well, and, you know, right. I mean, it's, you know, I'm not necessarily talking about technical proficiency, right? We've, you got, know, but, we've yeah. got, like, the, 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 uh, the shags on one end and Steely Dan on the other end of that, <laughs> that curve. Yeah. Well, shall we move on to the next Bee Gees cover here? This is uh, from Saturday Night Fever. It's just Night Fever. Listen to the ground. There is movement around. There is something going down. But I can feel it. On the waves of the air, there is dancing out there. And it is something we can't share. Name the Led Zeppelin song they were sort of quoting at the beginning of this, this song. Stairway to Heaven. I'm knowing a lot more of these than I should, considering yes. I've not listened to these. They're pitching underhand. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, that was a one, slow and fast I'll have one. to get out my Spirit album. I think that might be kind of the sort of thing that Randy California was doing when uh, you know when his estate tried to sue <laughs> yeah. sue uh, Jimmy Page for for stealing their song, but um, <clears throat> which um. Ironically, I think that's one song Jimmy actually did not steal. So um, <laughs> the only but, song he did, <laughs> but, uh, but <coughs> the jury agreed. But anyway, um, uh, yeah. What do we? Like? Hey, this is another Jamaican tune done in a really particular style, and they're nailing all the things. This is done in the style of uh, Sly and Robbie. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, you, Scott, you were saying that the the uh, a drum machine crops up a yeah. lot on this one completely stylistically like yeah, actual drums because uh, 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 Sly Dunbar um, uh, famously played uh, Simmons drums those big like octagonal mm. electronic drums that sound like the drums on this as, as part of his live kit um, and that was a big part of that uh, what are we talking like mid 80s yeah. Um, reggae production style that was a, a, a big deal. There are a few, uh, um, I mean, Sly and Robbie are on a, a, just a million things, but there's a uh, late period Peter Tosh stuff is basically this groove minus 
the white guys and the Led Zeppelin nonsense and the hair metal guitar. Yeah. <laughs> well, it does slow the song they down. they nail those, too. Yeah. I think the other thing they're not nailing is the Elvis impersonation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'd think they could have hired somebody or not tried. Right. One or the other. Maybe got a Sinatra impersonator or something. Right. Or maybe even a Barry Gibb impersonator there you go. or something. <laughs> not it, it reminds like the fact that they have the, the the reggae Zeppelin and it's a it's a perfect rule of threes thing, isn't it? Yeah, you got to have all three. Yeah, I, I, I'm, well, this is I great. Think, I love I mean, this song is was a, is definitely a standout on the album for being awesome. Disco songs are, are not written to be as complicated as Zeppelin songs. Cause yeah. disco songs are meant to be about the groove and the feel and not right. so much chord right. changes. So when you slow them down, you realize it's just mm, chicka, mm, chicka one chord for most of the verse. And it's a lot more boring than say, you know, black dog or right, Hound right. dog or heartbreaker hotel or whatever. It's really important to have hooks. Yeah. disco tunes because whatever it better be an earworm because it's going to happen A over lot. and over and over and it better be so good that when they stop doing it for a brief amount of time that you're happy to see it again yeah and so but taking it at this tempo just kills any hook or groove this song has i think yeah it's kind of like uh you know i I definitely, I definitely agree with you, you, Logan. It's like, like the way, the way the band is playing, I really, really like it. But, but I think you're right. There's just a lack of, there's nothing, there's nothing in the song itself to drag you in. Yeah. Like you you get the feeling that Tortelvis would be like, he would own this. Yeah. He would be, he would be giving you like a, a, a a recipe for lasagna through this and it would be spellbinding, you know? Yeah. And I think if they were more students of the Bee Gees, like they were of Zeppelin, they'd be able to interpolate more of the original pieces in there. So you could have more of that stuff going on. But I think they know about as much about the Bee Gees as I do, which is okay. This one's mostly an A minor, and on the chorus we go up to a D. This, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's all I know. <laughs> this is this is almost like a radio, like a mashup. Yeah, like, I think like they dropped like the they the hook the, from the song in the middle of this. Yeah, DJ Cumberbund kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, I, I think this album had <clears> something <throat> else going on too. That that if I read correctly. Um, that they wanted to record it in one of their home studios or something. Yeah, you know, yeah. I imagine they had a little money and they were putting together a studio. Yeah. To, and and uh, so, you know, I don't think the production's bad at all. I think it oh. sounds, you know, quite well recorded and all of that. But but I also wonder, I also wonder, uh, you know, we've talked about this before, is that, that you know, artists with big vision don't necessarily need need a producer. But at the same time, sometimes artists, when they're given too much leash, they can't, Rain it in. You can't rain it in, right? And put it together in a, in a, you know, a digestible um, package for, uh, you know, the consumer. And um, some of, you know, some of this is sort of that. It's like, maybe this song isn't ready yet. Van Halen just kept getting better after they got 5150, right? Yeah. 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 No, a grandiose vision. (laughs) And then, you know, band members dropping like flies sort of whittled it down to not what they wanted, but what was left. What was left. Yeah. Which I think is... Partly why we don't get a full disco album either. We have some other odd outliers within the outlier, but let's just go on to the next song, which is about Gary Bibb. 
because we all know who Gary Bibb is. No, wait, we don't. This is annoying. The thing is, if you hadn't checked your liner notes and realized that the guy has changed his name to Gary Bibb, you'd have no idea what they're saying. Is it Bill? Is I it thought they were saying Phil. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And that makes no sense unless you know the. Not a lyrics yeah. guy. But what was the, the the Led Zeppelin song that they quoted eventually in the introduction to this one? In my time of dying, off the Led Zeppelin album. Um, Houses, or not houses of the holy, excuse me, um, physical graffiti. There you go. Which one was that? In my time of dying, physical graffiti. In my it's time the slide guitar dying. part. Okay, the, gotcha, yeah. yeah. It could, there's a couple of songs off of it. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a few. few. I, I keep wanting to say the, uh, the Dead Milkman uh, classic, uh, <laughs> metaphysical graffiti. Yeah, metaphysical. There you go. <laughs> but, uh, well, and this song is definitely a lot more... Um, written and complicated than Night Fever, so I think it works better when they... They don't even have to change much of it. I mean, that intro is almost note for note other than a couple of little off beats on the uh, guitar is pretty close to the Isaac Hayes original, which is why it's so disappointing when the boring Gary Bibb comes in. Although it's fun to hear him say, who's the white entertainer? Yes, but yes. <laughs> again, if you don't know he's singing about himself, this whole song just makes zero sense, and not that many people are, are invested in the Dread Zeppelin mythology. Yeah, maybe the joke's a little too inside now. Yeah, right? no. Um, so. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he sounds like he's trying to do the Elvis again here, but. So what's with the, so, so you know, um, the arrangement. Yeah. Are those synthesizers, um, strings going on? I mean, they this was the their most, you know. The album where they had the most money to blow around, so they might have paid for real strings, but I don't think it was necessary. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. As as soon as disco didn't have to use real strings, it yeah. stopped. Yeah. Well, yeah. So if there's that's, a lot if that's of money to be you, saved. That's telling you anything. Get a fifth of Beethoven <clears throat> for a fraction of the price. <laughs> well. We do remember this is 1992, and we remember what else came out in 1992, which is the only reason I can think of for uh, this cover of Cool and the Gang's Jungle Boogie. All right. 
Okay, so <laughs> for 200 points, <laughs> which Led Zeppelin song was quoted towards the beginning of this one? Yeah, and, and throughout, sort of as the basis of this cover. <laughs> I again, I've not listened to any Zeppelin. Trampled underfoot ah. off of physical graffiti. Ah, there you go yes. for for three hundred points. So th- they didn't really give up the Zeppelin thing. They just you know sublimated it. They, they sublimated this this song has a lot going for it. Yeah. Not the least of which is <laughs> screaming Jay Hawkins, aka um, Doctor Paradox. That's right, makes a guest appearance on this song. <laughs> I couldn't help thinking that you know if they couldn't get toward Elvis, why not just get screaming Jay to do the whole out? That would have. Apparently, I think, yeah. Apparently, he would he would appear with them on stage. Yeah, no, they were friends. Time. They toured together, so yeah, they should have got Screaming Jay to do the whole damn thing. <laughs> that would have been much much better. I would have loved to that scream. Well, he is Screaming Jay. So oh, that, that guy is like he's just like it is a shtick like like no other. It is yeah, so, and he's been doing it what fifty years, and it's still it's so bizarre. Yeah, you know, but but uh, you know, like his whole like. Coming out on stage and yeah, the voodoo schools and stuff. And yeah, and, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's um, but hey, but yeah, I mean, granted, this song. There's a reason why even in the Pulp Fiction credits they switch it off halfway through because it gets. It's cool and then gets old real fast. Well, right, but, it's yeah. a little, it's a little, a little songwriting a little critique. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna open a song like that, just. Where the hell are you going to go? Right, right. Yeah, you might as well just make it a 30-second song. <laughs> In and out and done. But it, it's a hell of a 30-second song. you got to wrap it up quick yeah. after that intro. But yeah, I, I think I don't think people saw this as a disco song. They saw it as the uh, Pulp Fiction song at the time. Oh, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah, it yeah. does fit a lot better than some of the stuff we're coming up to. Like, uh, you know. Well, you know, disco is a, is a you know, you're talking about how a, uh, reggae, uh, you know, despite the popular way people use the word, <laughs> right, is a is a subset of a of a Jamaican, you know, um, popular music, um, um, right? It's a not big it, umbrella yeah, with yeah, lots yeah. of little things. Right, hanging right exactly, and it's just one of many, right? Yeah. Reggae is, and and uh, um, you know, disco is is a subset of of funk. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, and and it's uh, it's what it is, and so you could you could you could sort of disco up any funk song, I suppose. You just need to make it, you know, the right tempo, and you know, dumb it down a little bit. Yeah, um, and uh, take off the George Clinton, get the Gloria Gaynor. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the things yeah. we should, I mean, other than you know, across uh, uh, countries and and. That this, it's dance music, disco, and yeah, yeah. and a lot of Jamaican music, especially the stuff that found its way over here, is specifically for shaking. You know, your not booty. just dancing at home. It's like dancing in a club with a lot of people that blasts loud music that's conducive to everybody dancing. You know, um, you you know, dub is basically like rave music. You know, twenty years ahead of time. Yeah. Um, and and was, you know, played publicly in a similar situation. And um, and so I, I think there's a really good uh, there's some good connective tissue between the disco thing and the reggae thing and not so much the Led Zeppelin thing. Yeah. Debatable depends on what period of Elvis yeah, or, yeah. or lounge stuff. But. They could have maybe, I mean, they're not doing a bad job, but they, I think they had more opportunities to stitch the two together in a 
I think if they sat with this longer, it would have worked. I think they kind of felt like we better strike while the iron's hot, even though, you know, we could wait for Tort Elvis to go to rehab and we could find a new guitar player, maybe work up some of these arrangements. I think this was just done too quickly. And I don't know if it was IRS, their record label that was sort of pressuring them to get out while they could or whether they just felt like, you know, showing Tort Elvis that we don't need you. As we go on and we sort of lose the explicitly disco yeah. stuff theme, right? Uh, it does, it does really feel like they started making a different album and then this either is- because Tortelvis left or they were fucking around and wasted too much time. It really seems like they had to rally and, and finish something. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't feel like a, I mean, it's, it seems like out of this, they could have picked one of several conceptual directions to go. And just, if they had, they just stuck to it, the whole thing would have been stronger, but yeah, it, this is still, I, man, these songs are all really long. Yeah. I know this one isn't super long, but still. that's the disc. That's the disco uh, influence, I suppose. Well, we should get away from disco and do something uh, more <laughs> like Led Zeppelin. I might be able to recognize the Led Zeppelin song in this one. It's a ramble on. But now it's time for me to go. The autumn moonlight's my way. But now I smell the rain, and with it pain, and it's headed my way. Sometimes I grow so tired But I know about the thing I got to Can you feel it? <laughs> Damn near an Eddie quote at the end Yeah, it's like uh, Biff or Bill Bib, Bib. Yeah, he, you know, he's just He needs a little more time to develop his shtick there it's yeah. sort of, you know, If he went with the whole televangelist thing To the whole album, I'd be okay yeah. with that Right, right. it's like this, this is sort of half Elvis, half Televangelist, yes. you know, and uh, well, and he's he's uh, uh, veering into uh, a thing that was perhaps not okay in the '90s with white people reggae, which is the a particular like rhythmic style of, of toasting that I guess when done sincerely is is fine, but it's like maybe a little screwed up to make you know it's like the classic corny I'm gonna like do the reggae rap thing. Oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah, a particular yeah. cadence to that sort of, of toasting and stuff, and it's like done pretty, pretty corn cornball corny a lot around this time. And well, so, you know what else was being recorded at this time, although didn't come out till ten years later, is the Willie Nelson reggae album. So, which would you have rather have? <laughs> Willie doesn't ever <laughs> no. attempt to uh, uh, copy any of the no Willie does a- not accent have any accent or or uh, yeah yeah he's he's just got he, he <clears> he's does, just doing Willie he's got Willie you know maybe maybe um, Bib should have been you know Tort Swaggart there you go <laughs> you know that, that's <laughs> something yeah I could see that I could see a whole yeah televangelist theme going on or it know. would probably wear thin after a while but still you well know, i was gonna say dread zeppelin couldn't last forever anyway so if you're gonna change go full right. hog go, like you know go whole hog exactly you know, right disco songs there are some cool guitar moments in this this uh, yeah no this they're, they're yeah. at musicianship is never to be questioned on this album that's not the, the ever the problem no 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 well but again why resort to a zeppelin song if you're changing 
And if you are doing Zeppelin songs, why not do all of them? So I don't know why this is here other than, you know, maybe to appease fans who only want lead in their dread. I don't know. But they still because this... when did they stop putting lead in gas? When was that? Uh, early eighties, late seventies, okay. early eighties, something like that. Yeah, because yeah. I remember because you could get yeah you could get the unleaded. Yes, but yeah. you know, but there were still cars that needed lead in them. Yep. I I had one of those cars <clears> and <throat> I had to switch to unleaded and it never ran quite well. Knocked like a son of a bitch. Fortunately, you know, of the eight cylinders, only six of them worked, so it really you know yeah you, you didn't notice that much. But <laughs> those were the days. Those were the days. <laughs> Millennials are like, what? what? Lead in your gas? What, what the hell f- are you talking about? Exactly. Gas was how much? <laughs> you didn't it just... was pricey, man. It was approaching a dollar a gallon, I remember. It was Oof. crazy expensive. Yeah, I remember the first time I had mean, to pay more than 20 bucks to fill up my tank. It's like eight miles a gallon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. Well, since we've done our, our you know, token Zeppelin... We should go back to our, our real love of the Bee Gees. My only chance for happiness. Say you'll always be my baby. We can make it shine. We can take forever, just a minute at a time. get our quote of it's not unusual even though we don't have the full song yes and and yet another led zeppelin song was quoted at the beginning of this one um which was uh that one that goes like that yeah it was that yeah. since i've been loving you from led zeppelin <laughs> three three they're not good at album titles are they no. This album also brought to you by Floyd Rose. Yes. <laughs> now, we were saying that the Bee Gees weren't exclusively a disco band, and I think this original, the original Bee Gees song, is not a disco song. So I almost wish they'd done all Bee Gees instead of all disco. Or most oh, yeah, disco. yeah, that would have been... Then they could have thrown in some stuff off of, like, Odessa or, you know... Memphis, Tennessee, or some of their early stuff. Or... Right, and they could have left, they could have... Uh... Uh, you know, dump the Led Zeppelin thing, or yeah. they could have still quoted Zeppelin here and yeah. there, right? But they they would have, you know, they could get, have just pulled yeah. out one of those elements and yeah. inserted the, you know, the other. Yeah, they could yeah. get Judy Tenuta to sing, you know, "Woman in Love," and yeah. Now, now, just out of uh, curiosity, those words, you know, "more than a woman," yes. like she's more than a woman to me. What does that mean to you? That, that means not only is she a woman, which is just a sexual object. But she's also a person, right? Exactly. It's that's, not exactly a flattery. That's how I interpret it as well. Pretty so, woke so, stuff for so the woman, 70s. Oh, yeah. woman means sexual <clears throat> object, but you mean more than that to me. Yeah, I can right? also talk to her and yeah, not just you know. Yeah, there's nothing uh, you know. Yeah, nothing. And she may even be once, twice, three times a woman. Yeah, because <laughs> you know. <laughs> She has three holes. I don't know. And she, but she's more than that. <laughs> but she's more than that. She's more than three times a woman. She's almost three fifths of a man. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. yeah, I know. This is like, yeah. That, that, Let's um, not dig. Yeah, don't dig too deeply. Okay, the seventies did have a well, and the eighties, and the nineties, and the noughties, and maybe even right now. Right, there's a certain kind of um, uh, sexism that in. Inhabits popular music. 
shocking. I know, shocking. It really is shocking. Yeah. Does Disney own this too? Yeah. <laughs> Disney owns everything. With, with, with lyrics like that, they should own it. Yes, no. I mean, they can hide it on their, their super well, streaming we, service. We, we might, you're we, not just a woman, you're a Disney princess. Yes. We, we might point out that uh, uh, one of the, you know, it, they might be uh, stylistically nailing it considering their, their reggae bent, which frequently has kind of prescriptive gender roles and things baked yeah, into yeah, it. A lot yeah. of anti-abortion reggae songs, a lot of, you know, yeah, it's also just <laughs> yeah, popular the, music, the pop music of, of, of the time. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 You're, yeah. Like it reflects the times. It's, 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 all, times it's all in there. Yeah. <laughs> the times were not great. <laughs> no, no, but luckily it's all better now. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, to cleanse yeah. ourselves from that. <laughs> We'll uh, move on to yet another Robin, Barry, and Maurice song. The Brothers Gib. Just what you mean to me. I'll cut this out, but let's let's do the joke. Okay. Right. The joke is is uh, um, um, I took my wife on vacation. Yes. And you say Jamaica. Jamaica? And I say, no, she went on her own accord. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, uh, um, thought I'd tell you guys that I I, uh, took my wife on vacation. Uh, Jamaica? No, she went on her own accord. (laughs) Yeah, we we practiced that beforehand. Uh, Of course, course, the quote from from this song was... uh, uh, Jamaica from from uh, Houses of the Holy. Mm-hmm. Shake Jamaica. <laughs> this is stir it up essentially, but with uh, someone singing jive talking on top of it. Yeah, and stir it up, right? Yeah. <laughs> Why I don't know, but <laughs> they didn't feel like learning a new song, so they, I think they even did stir it up on their second album. So mm. they may have just used the same backing track. I don't know. I was like, we can play that song. Oh yeah, we know that one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's there. <clears throat> yeah, that, that's the, the you know, the first Dread Zeppelin album I listened to often on cassette, and it held up. This one, the joke has gotten old before the first time through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. By this point, I'm already like, yeah, yeah. It's you get the joke. All right, we can move right, on. Right, yeah. whatever. Reggae, disco, whatever. I think you. I think you are correct. What about um? Um, so they chose jive talking. Yeah. And the Bee Gees are from Australia. Is that yes? Right? They're Australian. Does does jive mean the same sort of thing that it means in the the states? Maybe. I wonder. I just <laughs> I don't wonder, know. You know, they don't know what it means. It's just like the the talk <laughs> of the streets. Some, right? some, some, yeah. Jive talking. You know, I, something the kids are saying <laughs> these days. We don't know. Jive always reminds me of Barbara Billingsley in Airplane. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, Airplane, right. Now that. Excuse me. I speak Jive. Come with your black, Jack. I don't even. My brother at one point memorized that whole speech, and it was it was Ooh. a joy to behold, although probably culturally uh, problematic. Well, you know, things. Uh, things. Well, it's true of most popular culture, right? Things yes. that stood that stood um, as very humorous forty years ago might not 
might have other meanings today. (laughs) Indeed. Hey, you know, like just speaking of this, and I don't want to, um, uh, you know, get too far off track, but that phenomenon, since it is, you know, like, um, uh, there's a, there's a, um, a documentary on, um, the Netflix, uh, on, um, Leonard Skinner. Yeah. Right. And there is this section where they talk about the flag. Yeah. Right. That you was know, a, is, a big part of the and uh, it does Skinner make thing. You, it does make you cringe when you see that old fit footage and the big Confederate flag hanging behind them. And, uh, but when, when, uh, when you, the band, it's like, first of all, they were all very young. Yeah. And apparently this was the record company's idea. They were trying to sell them, you know, especially yeah. in Europe, as America's southern band. Mm-hmm. A southern man? Yeah. <laughs> the record business, uh, right. famously known for not doing racist uh, shit. Right, <laughs> exactly. And, and, uh, and, and of course, the, the band members are just, you know, they're all from the South, and it's just like, say it all the time anyway. They didn't think twice about it. Yeah. You know, and then, and then you know, but now looking back on it, they're like, yeah, you know, like those assholes in the Klan, they co-opt it and make it all about hate and everything. And it's like, we're just from the South. That's all it was. Yeah. You know, and it's like, but it's, you know, but anyway, it's, um, you know, hell, they had a TV show, the Dukes of Hazard that had that flag all over it. And, oh um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but you Them know, old Duke boys, but are... times change. Yes. Yes. It's, they it's, do. And, uh, Thankfully. Yes. Thankfully. Well, shall we, uh, go on to the original tune? This is a cover band with original tunes. Usually the worst phrase you could ever hear. But is it original? Well, Technically, they own the copyright. Now the moving back drive you crazy, man, you just can't get enough. Okay, what Led Zeppelin song are they quoting in this one? Uh, Killing in the Name of? Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're very close. Thank you. No, it's The Crunge from Houses of the Holy. The Crunge. They, they named the song The Crunge. Yeah, it is one of the, it's one of the more Stranger Zeppelin songs. It's in an odd time, and it's, it's also, a, you know, I, I enjoy it a lot. It's a, I like the weird stuff. Yeah. Um, the the Crunge. Wasn't that a crunge. Sarah Michelle Geller horror film? Uh, you know, yeah. Probably, probably uh, written, you know, about the Led Zeppelin song. I'm, I'm sure, yes. So this is clearly the song where they blew all their budget. The horn section and the singers and all sorts of stuff going yeah. on here. I, I've, I've, I have a big list of bands that are, you know, that this album and these guys remind me of. Some of which are contemporaries, yeah, and and have some, you know, probably toured with or if not, you know, work together. But um, you know, I already mentioned Ween, but this tune and like the latter half of this album really reminds me of of the Electric Six. Okay, yeah, I can and see that. So the Electric Six, I don't, yeah, I'm yeah they're familiar. more like they're newer, but I, I know the Electric Flag. <clears throat> yeah, I know the Sinister but Six. It's kind of it's got this not quite disco, not quite rock thing with the loungy front man doing yeah 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 maybe they should have gotten richard cheese to do this album yeah you know or or um you know um abby norm would have there you go (laughs) well yeah and as always the original makes me think of i mean i'm sure most of our listeners out there have owned a few weird al yankovic albums in their time and you know 
the the hardcore fans know that the original Weird Al Yankovic compositions on the deeper cuts on those albums are really where the good stuff is at. Yes. <laughs> yes. But for Dread yes. Zeppelin, the original stuff, I mean, I like Big Old Gold Belt on their second album, but otherwise, yeah, we're good. <laughs> yeah, the second thing that I would say about this tune is uh, Putman should pick a lane. Yes. Like, he, this is a great example of like, which, which stick are you doing on this album? You mean as Bib or as the bass player? As as Bib, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As 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 front as front man, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Bib. <laughs> yeah. Gary Gary Bib should <laughs> Gary Bib in the Union Gap. Yeah, he should do full lounge singer. He should do yeah, uh, you know something uh, infomercial preacher or or just try to replace. Uh, Something so we could describe it, like we used to be able to a, describe Dread Zeppelin as. Yeah. You know. It would totally work fine to be like, "Hey, there's a lot of Elvis impersonators, and we fired the old guy and got a new one." Yeah, said, no, you know, yeah. That, that would be fine. Yeah, yeah, like Kiss does. Just put the makeup on. Yeah, yeah. nobody cares. I mean, it's a, a fake name anyway, so yeah, it's a character. It's a, but no. Yeah, or Menudo. Menudo, yes. <laughs> it's like you've reached puberty. You must leave. Yeah, the band. So they, it's not bad. No one in Menudo was old enough to have lived to see Menudo. <laughs> it, it's it's not tanking the album or anything or any of the songs, but no, it just no. it it gets away from like they had it all figured out, man. Yeah. They just needed to stick to that. Like like I said, he's just not fully developed. He's not yeah, fully and it waters down yeah. this already weak concept of eh, mostly disco songs, mm. some seventies songs, especially with the um the finale, which we will get to. Uh, next, which I think the sole reason for its existence is they have Randy Bachman's phone number. <laughs> I can't think of any other reason why they did this song. Disco band PTO. Yeah, it's kind of cool that they got Randy Bachman to play on it. Uh, do does Randy know this is supposed to be funny? Yeah, yeah. Is he trying to be funny and failing, or is he unaware that it's supposed to be funny? Uh, or maybe he's just playing the straight man. Maybe I don't know. But what Led Zeppelin song As opened a, up this one? Uh, taking care of business. Uh, Celebration day. Um, also off of Led Zeppelin three. Oh, it's like you guys need to work on your Led Zeppelin more. I think I I can't work on it much less. I'll tell you, I I know Stairway. That's the only reason I joined this podcast anyway was to teach us the ways of of Zeppelin. Yes, yes. Well, you've done a poor job so far. Fifty eight episodes in or whatever. When are we gonna do a Zeppelin album? Well, do they have an outlier? They only have like uh, the they have, six they albums. Have, they have a kind of outlier. And through the outdoors, pretty. Um, yeah, that's uh, um, eh, you know, I kind of like that one. It's more because uh, it was more uh, John Paul Jones than Led Zeppelin. But that's uh, a different. That's a different story. Yeah, we could do that one. There you there's go. There's a there's a presence. It's one that's universally hated. 
Wow. I like that one too. And then, and then there's uh, Coda, which was released post the drummer's death, which is a lot of outtakes from, from album that didn't make the earlier albums. Right. Well, so that yeah, could be a one. pretty traditional. And then, and then there is the, the, the kind rock. of, uh, yeah. you know, the kind of, um, eighties, uh, slightly late eighties, early nineties, slightly disturbing, uh, page plant stuff. Oh, uh, no quarter. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so that, that played the hell out of that on VH1. Yeah. The, that's the definitely, one year I own yeah, cable. You went from hard rock superstars to VH1 staples. That yeah, could be yeah. something to talk about, but this could be enough. I, yeah, I, you know. I mean, I mean, if you don't have enough albums to have a consistent sound, then can you really break away from it? I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like saying the shags outlier. Right. Right. Yeah. Apparently, the um, the eighth Dread Zeppelin album features songs like uh, Baba O'Reilly, Sunshine of Your Love, Born on the Bayou, Light My Fire, Smoke on the Water, um, Feel Like Making Love, uh, Judy Blue Eyes, and um, Golden Slumbers. Oh, wow. So it's, it's you probably kind of didn't. British, late, late 60s, early 70s British rock, but yeah. then there's yeah. a couple of... Yeah, and, but that know. doesn't feel like as much of an outlier as this album. No, no, no. For one thing, they still have, or they got Tortelvis back for that yeah. one, but still. I'd also like to mention the uh, uh, the Red Elvises, or Igor <laughs> and the Red Elvises. As there you go. Perhaps a little bit contemporaries of this. Yeah, we opened for them a couple of times. That was yeah, a, yeah. Trip, <laughs> Igor or Igor? Well, depends on on whether you look directly at him or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. I'll be here all night. <laughs> so, why did they end the album with the least fitting song? Or w- were they it? pointing the way to the next album, which is going to be guest stars, and it didn't happen? Or Ah, that's the, you know that that's a possibility. Like you said, it could be that they they were friends with Randy Bachman and yeah. they just wanted to do something with him. It could have been that we um, we had to drop a couple of songs for legal reasons, like, yeah. like yeah. you know that we needed to uh, to put something on here. We were short, yeah, because right. this is um, ten songs. And this song was a hit around the same time that disco was you know emerging. Yeah, they were but, contemporaries, but they were not. Yeah, uh, but no, no, this would have been on the rock radio station. Yeah, for no, sure. the people with the disco stuck <laughs> bumper stickers, or, right? You know, and then uh, yeah, this would be on the station that um, later would play things like "The Stroke" by Billy. Oh, Squire. What's Squire, yeah, stuff like that. Stroke and, uh, me, stroke <laughs> me. Stroke! It's not subtle. <laughs> Everyone thought it was Queen at first. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. Hokey pokey. <laughs> Turn yourself uh, all around. Yeah. Well, yeah, what was the other hit that Bachman Turner Overdrive had? Uh, they had two big ones. Yeah. Um, uh, it was... Uh, what? American Woman? No. No, no, no. That was the Guess Who. Yeah, that's Burton Cummings, that's the Burton other guy. Cummings. No, no, it was uh, it was something about a girl. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah so no. It'll probably come to me soon. Girl, <laughs> you'll be a woman soon. I don't know. You ain't seen nothing yet. Oh, that's what baby. Baby, there we go. Yeah. This is, this is you know, this is what Dread Zeppelin does. It makes you want to talk about other bands. Yeah, exactly. No, they fulfilled their mission. So I think the Thing missing from the the latter half of this record is that it doesn't quite feel like they're fucking with you as much as they usually do. There's yeah. a transgressive element to them. It's like they're a, a cover band of 
nerds or something, but they're like sticking their finger in your eye. You know, oh, we'll cover it's, Led Zeppelin, yeah. but we're going to do it our way. There's not yeah. enough playing the guitar in a diaper on this one. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, yeah, I think if they just whittled it down to like a four song EP to sort of tide fans over while they got Tortelvis healthy, this would have been fine, but there's a little too much filler and it doesn't if, cohere. If you compile the stronger songs on this and maybe not make them like seven minutes long. Yeah. Um, it's great. Yeah. But if you're, you're looking for Dread Zeppelin, you're looking for something very specific and this does not deliver. It's not as was, is this even, uh, um, well, I mean, is I, there must be such a thing as a Dread Zeppelin, uh, completist, right? Uh, Probably, but, you know, later stuff was all like, you know, you know, indie labels or, you know, boutique labels. So they're kind of harder to find, you know, mm, yeah, fan club yeah. only pressings. But those first two albums were sold through you know, go out and see major them. distributors. So you can yeah, find those yeah. pretty easy. Not on vinyl, but, you know. Oh, it was. Yeah, and it, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, it really was a big album, a big yeah. um, CD or whatever. It I was. had it on cassette. Yeah, I, had, I had it on CD. The, did the inactivists ever... Do anything open for uh, Dread Zeppelin? No, Dread Zeppelin does play like reggae on the rocks pretty regularly, though. So okay, yeah, they are no. somewhat respected in the uh, the wider reggae world, which is yeah, people who like reggae would probably like them. Yeah, and, there's know, no reason not to. And, and uh, you know, people that like '70s rock would like them. Yeah, they're know? not making fun of anybody, but I think that's also part of why this doesn't work. Is I think they were trying to make fun of disco. Yeah, and yeah. they weren't. They didn't find a joke. And it came off as insincere and kind of punching down, which was yeah. And I think yeah. both both of you are right. Yeah, it's like he yeah, exactly they they uh, and I don't think they understood it as it doesn't seem like they understood it as much. Yeah, like well, they, people yeah. who played instruments, particularly in '92, were not going to you know listen in depth to the Bee Gees or anything like that. Right, right, and you, you know you don't get it. Yeah, you don't get any any hint that that any of them you know. Learn, learn to stuff. play listening to Niles, Niles Rogers or something, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, it's uh, yeah. More guitarists should. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes, but, and I think they do in general now, but I guess, uh, do we have any final thoughts on Dread Zeppelin? I mean, after this, they, they rebranded or rebanded and went back to their, you know, tried and true. They have like a Christmas album. They have like dozens of albums. Did they want. get cheese back or? I think they got another drummer. He may be, you know, third cheese or, you know, stinky cheese or something. Right. But yeah. I know that uh, Putman went from bass player to guitar player because Ed Zeppelin never came back. But oh, yeah. Ed, Ed Zeppelin never came back. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But so. Port Elvis returned. And that's, I mean, it's like, you know, the doors without Jim Morrison, which, you know, we'll do that eventually too. But yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. Or yeah. better yet, the doors with dead Jim Morrison. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's an album. <laughs> Didn't the Beatles do that already? Yeah, no. I, I Natalie the, Cole did that. It's It's oh, been right. done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wayne Newton did that with Janis Joplin. Oh, really? Yeah, no. It was on like some yeah spoof show, but they synced up Wayne Newton singing with uh, old footage of Janis Joplin, and it's um, truly resplendent <laughs> mm. wow meanwhile tupac is still alive well tupac is the most prolific dead man you'll ever meet is it paraguay is that where he is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah he, he owns a little island <laughs> i guess that will uh pretty much wrap it up for this week is there anything we want to plug anything exciting anything new can we actually leave the house again or well go to frank's giving if you're in denver 
Yeah, yeah, the pollution is playing and uh, Little Theodore and Ralph Gein. So that'll be exciting on October 2nd. And um, yeah, if you feel safe enough leaving the house, that is an option. Also, check out Balonium and Gur vs. Goom on Bandcamp. Oh, yes, Bandcamp. For people who don't feel safe leaving the house. <laughs> and um, tune in next week when we try and figure out who this is. Thank you.